Baptist Church and of our campus in Lexington, Kentucky. It is our prayer that as you listen today, you will be encouraged, challenged, and equipped to be all God has for you. We invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at either 8.30 or 11 o'clock a.m. at our Todd's Road campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. And now, may you be blessed as we give our attention to the reading of God's Word. Before, probably already, if not today, at some point during this Advent season, it comes to us from Luke's Gospel, the second chapter, verses 8 through 16. I invite you this evening as we listen to this to maybe do your very best to listen to it with different ears. To listen to it as uh, someone who sure knows the story, but maybe who is hearing the story with uh, maybe a different intention. So again, this evening, Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 16. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem, let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you. Thank you for the gift of music and the way in which you use it to speak to our hearts. Thank you for the songs that we've sang tonight already, and we've told the story, and and thank you for your word. It's still speaking to us. Pray, God, now that as we come to your table, as we light candles, that we wouldn't just be drawn into some kind of special, spiritual, goosebumpy kind of thing, but that we would truly sense your presence and be changed. So come, Lord Jesus, and be born in this moment now. May my words and my meditations be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. For you, O God, are our rock, the one we cling to. You are our redeemer, the one who has saved us and is saving us and will save. It is in the name of Jesus that we offer this prayer and all God's people said. Um, I got to thinking this week about something that 
I'm going to guess some of us in this room are familiar with. How many of you all remember 8-track tapes? Um, I remember getting into my grandmother's 1978 78 Plymouth Velare and rummaging around through the glove compartment of that thing for a tape to listen to. Do you remember the glove compartments on the Velares? You could lay a newborn infant on the door, let them nap, and still have room in the back for everything in your diaper bag. It was massive. Um, inside Nana's glove compartment, I am sure, if you've been with us, you'll know, recognize this name. She had a Johnny Mathis 8-track in there for, without a doubt, the velvety tones, she would say. But there was another 8-track that I always remember, an album that was in there that, that I had to go looking for, and, and I, I can only remember one song on the entire album. Now, for you younger folk in the room, there's a reason I can only remember one track from an 8-track. It's because on those little cassettes, you either listen to the whole thing, never going to one track that you wanted to because that wasn't possible. Um, and, and there was no fast forwarding. It was just that, the whole thing, and you're done. And then when, if you wanted to listen to it again, guess what you needed to do? Either start over or roll through it. Um, this song that was on this one eight track um, that I had to listen to, um, I, I, again, I can only remember one, the, the one. And it was Evie's Christmas album. Anybody remember Evie? Do you remember the song? Come on, ring those bells, light the Christmas tree. Jesus is the king. Nobody? <laughs> Thank you, Janelle. You're still my favorite person, okay? Man, I've been thinking about that song all week long. I listened to it. It doesn't sound anything like it did when I was a kid. Um, over the years, al uh, you know, albums and artists, they'd come and they'd go, especially during Christmas. Um, but th then there was always a new one. A new one was, was always added. We've added two or three this year. But there was, at the same time there's a new one, there was always those faithful ones that we just had to return to. And Evie's album was one of those pieces. It was one of those that was just part of our tradition, right alongside of Johnny Mathis. And when cassette tapes came out, that album still had a high play rate in our home. I'd venture to guess that some of you have a few of those songs too. Show of hands, anybody have one or two songs that you got to play? see a couple hands out there, okay. Um, there's something about the music of the season. Rachel just gave that gift to me. That just makes something come alive, right? Um, the music of Christmas, it matters. It sets a tone. It prepares our hearts. It, it opens us up to experience more than just some passing holiday, but something more. Think of the exact opposite. I mentioned new albums coming out. Have you ever purchased one that you had all this excitement for and you got it in, eight track tape, record, CD, whatever, MP3, you put it in, you start to listen to the whole thing and you realize like within minutes, this is terrible. 
I did that recently. I purchased um, uh, uh, this album. I thought, man, this is going to be great. I'm excited about it. And it's just awful. I listened to one track on the radio, and that's what got me. And I bought the whole thing, and I can't stand the thing. The right music can be a matter of preference. It can be something like Evie that was part of your childhood that just grabs your heart. It can be something new. It can be something old. But it still touches us somehow. I told Alex, my uh, 16-year-old, uh, just recently that uh, scientists have recently, social scientists have recently said that those of us who have emotional reactions to music have a higher emotional quotient. We feel in a different way. I watch Alex listen to soundtracks of movies instead of listening to the actual dialogue going back. Did you hear that, Dad? In this season of preparation that we've been doing over these last several weeks, I spent a lot of time with one of the most beloved pieces of music ever written. Um, in 1742, there was this text that was put to music, and it was performed for the first time in Dublin, Ireland. And the first performance was a benefit concert that was put together to provide relief and support for three charities in the area. 700 people crammed into that auditorium. I said on Sunday to the church, I said, that's every preacher's uh, dream come true. (laughs) And with standing room only in this auditorium, the crowd just hung on every note and on every word that was presented. They stood for over two hours. Are you believing that? The movement of, of this piece, it's stunning, and, and as it was being played for the first time, there were audible shouts from the congregation as men and women were just overcome with emotion. The room was shook. In fact, Dublin was shook. Soon the whole world would be shook. Now that opening night gathering, because of that offering that was taken, 142 prisoners were released from debtor's prison. Wow. Because of one piece of music, 142 people were set free. Two other charities were fully funded for months because of the power of this music. On that night, George Frederick Handel's masterpiece, The Messiah, was presented, and the world's never been the same. I have listened to it probably 50 times during this Advent season. And every time I'm drawn in a little bit more, I sit on the edge of my seat just a bit more. The Messiah, since that time in 1742, it's been sung a million times across the globe. It's been part of religious and secular concerts. It's been sung traditionally. It's been modernized. It's not good. It's been a tagline for comedic events and and funny moments. It's been a backdrop to some of the most dramatic um, scenes uh, in in cinema, bringing people to tears. The most familiar section of Handel's Messiah is, of course, the Hallelujah Chorus. It's a song that makes this declaration that everything is different. For a while, it was um, a favorite piece to do with uh, spontaneous choir mobs. 
I remember getting on Facebook and seeing, well, this mob just pop, popped up in such and such mall and they started singing and everyone's like, oh. Of course, if you were any kind of musician listening to that, you're going, oh. See, but none of Handel's um, Messiah was written with Christmas in mind. Did you know that? It's actually an Easter presentation. The Hallelujah Chorus doesn't even come from the birth narratives. Not a bit of it is from what we read earlier. It actually comes from the last book of our scriptures, the book of Revelation. Now think about that for just a second. One of the most powerful uh, moments of music comes from a book in our Bible that is so misunderstood that it's scary. I know Christians who regularly say, I love the Bible, but I ain't reading Revelation. It made sense for Handel. It makes sense with Revelation when it was being written. It does make sense for today, too. You see, the author of Revelation, this disciple by the name of John, um, for him, darkness was everywhere. John had experienced the life of Jesus. He had seen the miracles, the death, the resurrection. He had preached, and he had shared the good news of Jesus wherever he walked. But towards the end of his life, well, the world had gotten a lot darker, and he was in a really dark place. It looked like the promises of Jesus weren't coming through. There wasn't much peace on earth. In fact, there was war, and there was terror, and there were plenty of individuals who were bent on power and control. John found himself in exile. He had been boiled in oil and then put on a salt mine. And, and in this place, he receives a message and he writes it down. And, and it's immediately spread across the Roman Empire. And it's also banned by the emperor. I mean, it took no time at all. See, the authorities, they hated this subversive message of the book of Revelation. You see, for all that we don't understand about Revelation, there is one thing that is very clear in this book. It's what we sing when the Hallelujah Chorus begins. It's what Handel wanted his readers to get caught up in. Not in the darkness, not in the poverty of spirit or the poverty of fellow human beings. Handel wanted people to see that it is God in Jesus who truly reigns. It is God who is supreme. It's why the words, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns, is so powerful. It's why the kingdoms of this world belong to him. It's why we can repeat hallelujah over and over and over again and not get tired of it. Because we are experiencing the light of his life bursting out all around us. Uh, I don't know about you, but I, I need some of that light bursting out right now. Anybody with me? But Christmas Eve, it invites us to invite some questions. Questions that John probably thought in the midst of his exile, certainly that Handel must have mused upon while even listening to his own masterpiece. And the question for me that stands out tonight is, can Christmas still change the world? Other than what we do with Walmart and Target and Macy's and 
Can Christmas still change the world? I mean, with so much darkness, just watch the news for 10 minutes. You can be overcome with despair. Can it change the world? There are more causes to picket and to stand and shout against than I can ever remember in my lifetime. Our society is bent on policing one another's thoughts and emotions so much so that it's, it's scary. It can feel really, really dark. But there's good news for us tonight. John's book of Revelation handles Messiah, the hallelujah chorus. They all point us to see something greater than the darkness around us. They invite us to see that there is more. There is someone more. There is someone who sits on the throne and who invites us to a life that is brilliantly bright, brilliantly different from the world around us. There is this one whom the shepherds adored. There is this one who still longs to be born in our hearts and minds and our lives. There is this one who invites us to see not the darkness, but him, the light. So can Christmas still change the world? Well, I guess it depends on what we're looking for. As you think of that question, I want, to invite, I want to invite you to pay attention to the two boxes behind me. Because there's something there for us this evening to wrestle with again. Terry. It was that silent night when the stars turned their gaze to marvel at the earth. When the heavens gathered breathless round a lowly stable. When a young mother wept tears of worship that fell on the baby in her arms. And the song of the earth arose in Bethlehem soft as the tender beating of his heart. And all was calm, all was bright. Yet could this be the same God of Abraham, the conqueror of Israel? This baby, this fragile life? Is this child the one who burned his name in rapture across the gasping skies? whose voice spoke the oceans into crashing rhythms, who crafted the mountains into guardians of the firmament, whose hand ignited the thirsts of the deserts and the warring surge of the elemental hosts, who breathed life from the dust, broke the oppressor's rule, scattered the chains of his people like sand, and led them through the wilderness with a pillar of flame. Is this child the one whose presence billowed thunderous on Sinai's peak? Who surrounded Job with the roaring wind, stood defiant in the raging furnace, wrote judgment against tyrants, and blazed on the lips of the prophets, scorching history's pages with the fury of his might? Could this be the same God who chose to come as the vulnerable king? setting his throne on straw and manger, 
drawing forth the tears of the shepherds, receiving the gifts of the wandering travelers, his fame unknown in this world. He is Jesus. The one who thunders through the heavens, yet whispers to our hearts. Who reigns victorious, yet bows to serve the broken. He is God in the fury, God in the silence. He holds this mystery balanced in his hands. He holds our questions till they lose their need, until all we see is him. Until all we see is him. People under oppression crying out, a nobody teenager girl and her, her nobody carpenter fiance. An angel that is sent to proclaim good news, a group of shepherds that run to see this thing told to them. A king scared of an infant, an emperor calling for a census that would shape the world. And a baby that cried out, and the darkness went running. Our questions, though they may be many, are answered in him. For he is the light, he is the one. Tonight, may we let Christmas change our world all over again. And may he be born in us once more all over again. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we offer this our prayer. All God's people said, Amen. Amen.